the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, everybody. This is Ron Geyer, back with more End Time Insights. We love doing this. We are so grateful that you tune in, and we just thank the Lord for giving us this opportunity. Today, I want to talk about the love of God. This has been on my heart to do, actually, in the videos that we've done, and we've posted them on social media. We've talked about this before, and it's, it's such an important topic, and it's so important that we understand what the Bible has to say about it. During this time that we live in, End Time Insights, the last days there are perilous times and pretty much every Christian value is under assault. And unless we study the word of God and unless we read the word of God every day, we're going to fall for the deceptions that are coming into the church. And normally it seems most of the stuff that I tell you about uh, pertain to the warnings that are found in the Bible about how to live in these end times. I was listening to Dr. Jeffers today. I was home with the flu the, uh, yesterday and I was watching Dr. Jeffers on television And it's neat. I appreciated the message he was talking about. He's got a new book out. I think it's called Courageous. And he was quoting from the book, and he was actually quoting from the Bible, but he wasn't using the King James Version. Basically, make a long story short, this is a plug for the King James Version, because I was listening to him refer to the last days, and he said that uh, the translation he was reading called them dangerous times. And yet, if you read the King James, the word it uses is perilous times. And it talks about these are times of great peril, great danger, where you would not be able to escape from a risk that being alive on this earth promotes. Uh, This is a risky time to be alive. So I thought it was interesting that one translation had danger and the other one had perilous. I like perilous. There's a strength to it. But the beginning of the scripture talked about that. Know this, Timothy. And in his translation, it said, realize this, Timothy. And that's good. To realize something is one thing. But in the King James, it talks about actually like Paul grabbing Timothy by the lapels and shaking him and looking him in the eyes and saying, Timothy, you got to know this. And I feel like I want to say the same thing to you guys. You got to know this because deception is rampant. I believe deception in America is the number one spirit that is causing us to fall from grace. So let me get into the love of God. Uh, I've got six points I want to make. I will be shocked if I get to them all, but that's okay. I'm going to try in Jesus' name. Point number one, where is this love of God? You know, do, do you know where the love of God is? Do you know how we find the love of God? Do you know what it looks like? We're going to talk about all this, but right now you need to understand where did God put this love? And that's found in Romans 5, 5. It talks about the fact that King James, now hope does not disappoint us, Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So right there in Romans, we see Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit has poured out the love of God in our hearts. 
King James actually says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. That means God just didn't stick a little drop of the love in a corner of your heart. No, he placed his love. It's been shed abroad. It dominates your heart. There's really only one thing that belongs in your heart, and it's the love of God. That is the resting place for the love of God in the earth today, in the heart of the believer. So we have this love in us. It should dominate our life. Question number two, what is the love of God? And I know you don't know this because we don't teach on this. What is the love of God? There's a counterfeit in the earth, and we've seen it, and we see it in the church. The world has their own standard of love. It's a love and a kindness towards one another. It's basically some type of sloppy emotional outpouring towards people that commiserates with them, but it never challenges them. It never grows them. It never tells them the truth about the Bible. It always pats them on the back and say, it's going to be all right. And that's nice, but that's only a part of the love of God. It is not a spiritual love of God, and it is definitely not the manifestation of the love of God that God's placed in us to minister to a lost and dying world. This is in 1 John 5, 3, and my favorite chapter in the Bible, in my favorite book in the Bible is John. My favorite chapter is John 17. My favorite verse is verse 3. And this is the love of God. This is my, my second favorite, and it's 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. And the love of God, it's only five words. For this is the love of God, five words, that we keep his commandments. Did you hear that? The love of God, it's that we keep his commandments. If you aren't keeping the commandments of God, then you are not demonstrating the love of God, which, according to Romans 5, 5, has already been placed in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So we've got the love in our hearts, right? God tells us what the love of God is. It's that we keep his commandments. Only one thing belongs in your heart, the love of God. Christians need to quit living in the love of man. It's a counterfeit. It's false. It has no power, and it doesn't glorify God. It does nothing. This means that I, as a husband, right, the love of God, it's um, shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, and it's five words that I keep his commandments. Let's say I'm, I'm going to give you an example, a real-life demonstration of how this works. I'm a husband. I'm married to Diane. Great lady. Like most of you guys, I married up. The Bible says that if the love of God is that we keep his commandments, that means I want to love Diane. I tell her I love her all day long. But I want to love her according to the Bible because I am equipped to love her on a standard that carnal man is not equipped to. I am equipped. I got the love of God inside me. I can love her like God loves her. The end of the day, in my marriage, God wants to love Diane through me. He wants me to demonstrate to Diane what he looks like. And I do that when I manifest the love of God, which is in me. So if the love of God is that I keep his commandments concerning my marriage, then I'm going to look up those commandments. I'm going to find out what they are. So we see one of my favorite scriptures in Peter talks about that. Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge and understanding, giving honor unto your wife as the weaker vessel, that your prayers be not hindered, that you be partakers together of the grace of life. So I am going to endeavor to do that. And what I love about it is that's God's standard for me loving Diane. Another verse in Ephesians talks about the fact that love your wife, Ron, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He laid down his life in service to his wife. Those basically are two of the major commands that me as a husband is required to fulfill concerning my wife. When I do that, I not only demonstrate the love of God that's living in me to Diane, but I am revealing God to my wife. I am loving her with a supernatural love. And the best part about that is God's going to enable me to do it. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God that's working in you both to will, to want to, and to do, to accomplish his good pleasure. God's good pleasure for Ron in his marriage to Diane is that I demonstrate 
the love of God to her, that I let the Holy Spirit of God have his way in my life. I didn't say it's something that comes naturally. It's something that's easy. It's just something that God has commanded us as husbands to do. Because at the end of the day, God ministers. Everything in life ministers. It's either God ministering to you or it's an unrighteous uh, spirit that's ministering to you. But everything in life ministers to you. God's word is spirit. It ministers to your spirit. It's a direct spirit to spirit conversation. It's deep calling unto deep. But then you can turn on the TV and your flesh gets ministered to by your five centrum. It is important that we stay in the word of God. And this is, I love this scripture. This is 1 John 2, 5. How do we grow love? How is love perfected in us? But whoever keeps God's word in him truly is the love of God perfected. Okay, now let's break that down. That's so important. Whoever keeps God's word in him truly is the love of God perfected. So we can take that that if you do not know God's word, if you are not keeping God's word, then the love of God, which God has placed in you, does not have the potential to be perfected. And you're going to stay as a baby Christian, or you may lose your way. But when the Bible says that the love of God has the potential to be perfected, I want to investigate that. I want to research that. And it says, but I have to keep God's word to do that. I go back to my marriage situation with my wife. I am dwelling with my wife according to knowledge. What? How do you do that? Well, it's so simple. The Bible says God gives wisdom. His every word is his own treasure of knowledge and understanding. Wow. And that scripture says, husbands dwell with your wives according to knowledge and understanding. I go back to Proverbs 2, 6. God gives wisdom. His every word is his own treasure of knowledge and understanding. Okay. I am commanded to live with Diane according to knowledge and understanding. The Bible in Proverbs says God gives wisdom. He gives a treasure. Out of his treasure, he gives you knowledge and understanding. Basically, God is telling me, get in the word of God. I've got the knowledge that you need. I've got the wisdom that you need. I've got the understanding that you need. That is how I show Diane love. And the Bible says in 1 John 2, 5, but if I'm keeping that word, then the love of God in me is perfected. I love that. It's so simple. It always comes back to the Word of God. Many of us try to love our wives and our spouses without the knowledge of God. We try to love in our own strength. That's just not going to cut it. But as a Christian, when we get born again, the Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we've got the Word of God that promises that the love of God is inside us. But unless we are reading the Word, and then unless we are keeping the Word— We don't know how to do this. We don't manifest it. And Diane and I, we do marriage counseling all the time. We wrote a book on marriage. We love couples. It's always been our heart. That's where we started teaching. God gave us a teaching gift, and it was in the marriage ministry at our former church. And we really excelled because we love the Word of God. And when we counsel couples all the time, we always direct them to the Word of God. People, Christians, are trying to live their marriage out in the realm of carnality. They're not studying the word of God. They're not obeying the word of God. Remember, the love of God is five words and five words only that we keep his commandments. For my wife, where it says that she's supposed to be loving me, Proverbs 31 has a bunch of commandments for the wife that tells her how to love her husband. She's giving me honor. She's admiring me. She's praising me. She's adapting her life to fit in with me, not based on my performance as being an excellent husband, based on my position as being a man of God. And this is how love is interchanged. It's, it's, it's almost like we are building a relationship and the bridge and the bond is the love of God. That's the whole idea. I love this scripture. It's First John four seventeen, 
in the Amplified Classic version, and it says, if I can pull it up right here, I did. I'm getting so good at this. It says, in this union and communion that we have with God, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him, because as he is, so are we in this world. We are supposed to be looking like God. We, like I said, my job in my marriage is to show Diane what God looks like. First Corinthians 13, 4 and 8, you all know this scripture. You've heard it. This is what we call the love chapter. And uh, I could sit here for a week and uh, dissect it, but we'll just give you some of the high points. First Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, love suffers long. It's patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It is not proud. It does not puff itself up. It does not behave itself unseemly. Love seeks not her own. I love that. We're not in this life to seek our own. You know, even with fasting, we tend to fast for ourselves and we kind of talk about eating healthy and we cut out certain foods and we want to get spiritually and physically clean so that we can have a better spiritual relationship with God. That's admirable. But you go over to Isaiah 58 and it talks about that's not the fast that I've chosen, saith the Lord. I've chosen a fast. It's that we undo the heavy burdens, that we let the oppressed go free, that we break the yokes of bondage. You know, it talks about in our service that we clothe the naked, we feed the hungry, we take in the poor, that we become ministers to our family that we break every yoke of bondage. The idea behind fasting, according to God's view, is that we do things for others. We have to get back to where Christianity, it's all about others. I'm not here for me, I'm here for you. I love God, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. If I leave this earth tomorrow, I'm fine, I'm good. But what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my money? What am I doing with my words? What am I doing with the goods that God's given me? They're for you. I'm fine. Paul talks about, hey, man, I've got something for you. I owe you a debt. I've got what you need. It's the same way. Love fills that need. Love gives what they've been given by God for others. The Bible talks about freely you've been given. Freely give to others. Let me tell you a couple things about what love isn't. Number one, love is not emotional. We think that love is this great empathy that we have for one another. We can commiserate with them, we can pity them, and we can put ourselves in their shoes, walk a mile in my shoes, pat them on the back, give them a hug, accept them no matter what they've done, tolerate any sin in their lives. That is not Bible love. That is false. That is the counterfeit that Satan brings in to trick us. You know, people sit in churches for ages. If we do not use the love of God that's been placed in our hearts to confront them, to challenge them in their sin, the idea is not to let them stay where they are. It's to get them out and bring them to where they belong. That's love in action. Love is tough. You know, love is an active word. It's, it's, a, it's a verb. It's not just a, a noun that doesn't do anything. You know, love is alive. Love is engaged in its relationship. Love brings real life to any situation. It's foundational. If I truly love you, I am going to tell you the truth. If it doesn't have truth, then it isn't love. Love isn't carnal. It's not something we do with our five sense realm. The love of God is spiritual in nature. It is the manifested presence and the manifested power of God into a relationship. People tell me all the time, oh, Ron, I just love you. You're great. No, they don't love me. They love the word of God that's in me. They have a spiritual response. They're supposed to be getting the word of God and manifesting this love in their churches. Love is not taking from you something that I need. Love is giving you something that you need that I have that God has blessed me with. It's so important that we remember that love isn't temporary. 
You know, love is permanent. The Bible says that the things that are seen are temporary, but the unseen things, the word of God, our faith, the spirit of love, these things, grace and mercy, these things are permanent. They last forever. Love isn't selective. You know, it talks about, well, Jesus died for all. You know, I don't have an option. Whoever wants to be great in the kingdom of God, you must become the servant of everybody. Everybody, every person you meet, every opportunity that you have to interact with another person is an opportunity for you to demonstrate the love of God. And remember, it is not this emotional connection. It is not carnal. It is something that is permanent. It is something that is spiritual. Paul says, I come not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but I come in the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power that your love, your faith, would rest not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Love always demonstrates the presence of God, and it always carries with it the power of God. But we've got to get to the reality of what love really is. Love has no bounds. Ephesians three eighteen and 19, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. When you know the love of Christ, you then become filled with the fullness of God. There are no limits to love. Love never ends. Love never fails. Love keeps on pushing. Love believes the best. It hopes all things. It endures all things. You know, in this Christianity that we live, this race that we have, we're supposed to be enduring things. In the book of Revelation, Jesus talks about he that endureth to the end will receive the crown of life. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be pressures placed upon us. But love never fails. I used to pray with a lady at Lakewood. Her name was Gail Appleby. And she was great. She would always say, Father God, reduce us to love. And I love that. John Osteen used to say, man, you can beat me on the head and into the ground with a baseball bat. I'm still going to cry out that I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. It's because of this love of God that we have such a sure foundation. Let's see. The love of God is under assault. Oh, yeah. Point number five. The love of God is under assault in our churches, and it's a shame. You know, the love has no fear. Perfect love has no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Many of us are still stuck in fear, and that's because we don't know God. And when we don't know God, we're incapable of loving as he wants us to love. Love is God. You know, God is love. He has power. He gives grace and mercy. But at the end of the day, the foundation, foundational truth, foundational essence of the presence of God, he is love. But it's not love the way the church has counterfeited it. We've been intimidated. We've let the world come in and kind of tell us what love looks like. Many churches, love is tolerating the sin that sits in its pews. And we think that's love. That is not love. Man, I I got born again. I got saved in 1981. My wife and I at a Kenneth Copeland convention. We had some great, great ministers there. We had Charles Capps. We had T.L. Osborne. We had Norval Hayes. God bless Norval Hayes. Marilyn Hickey, Happy Caldwell, was doing the Ministry of Music. And yet we were told the truth. There were some hard truths there. And I was told that God wanted to have a relationship with me today. That's what won me the Christ. Uh, I grew up as a Catholic, yet I wasn't encouraged in my day to read the Bible. I really wasn't encouraged to seek God. I just went to church and I did what I could. I was an altar boy. I was a good kid till a certain age, but that's what I did. And uh, my salvation was based on the work that Catholicism had taught me about. And yet when I got born again, Kenneth Copeland, uh, Charles Capps, they all told me, no, 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 you can talk to God today. That floored me. What? I can have a conversation with God today. Yes, God loves you. But you need to get born again because you're a sinner. 
you've not dealt with the sin problem yet, but Jesus has fixed it for you. I kind of knew that he died and went to hell for my sin, but I didn't know that that was actively pursuing me today. They told me that I could talk to God today. That just freaked me out. I said, I'm in. Where do I sign? I got born again. I got saved. What did he do? He gave the Holy Spirit inside me, which was shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. The love of God came. I started receiving the love of God, which made me able to do what? To love you with the love of God. And so it was such an exciting time in my life. We were filled with the power of God. I remember coming home, walking into the grocery store, and I was just shocked. My feet didn't touch the ground. I just wanted to talk to everybody and just let them know what had happened to me. That's what is under assault today, the true love of God, the love of God that comes with power, the love of God which comes with a supernatural ability. Love isn't reactive, it's proactive. First John 4:19. We love God because he first loved us. He made the first move. I want to talk to you about the fact that we need to get back to the Bible when we want to know what the love of God looks like, how to demonstrate the love of God. We read the scripture before. It's 1 John 2, 5. Whoever keeps his word in him truly is the love of God perfected. What has happened to the church, and this is churchwide on a national scale, we don't read the Bible anymore. I dare say, I know that it's 70% of the preachers in America, pastors, they don't believe the Bible is the absolute word of God. They don't believe Jesus led a sinless life. They don't believe salvation through grace is the only way to be saved. And when you don't read the Bible, according to that scripture, your love will never be perfected. Actually, there's another scripture that talks about when you don't read the Bible, you don't know who God is. You cannot know God apart from knowing the Bible. I cannot reiterate this. I, I want to pound it home from the pulpit. If I was to have a service in front of the whole nation, the first thing I would tell them was, you must Read the Bible. That is where God reveals himself. That is the number one way that we get to know Jesus. God spoke to us through Jesus today. We must read our Bibles. That's where the love of God is going to be explained to you. That's where the love of God is going to be perfected in you. If we're truly going to exemplify the love of God, we've got to do it according to the Bible. The world tells us they want to be loved a certain way. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to talk about their sin because according to the world, they have no sin. According to the world, sin is just some Christian phrase that's used for people that don't like them. And that's not true at all. Sin is so important. Having a discussion about sin is the very first step in getting one saved. You know, Kenneth Copeland, they told me, Ron, you're apart from God because of your sin. You're not sinning. Right, you're not apart from God because you're sinning. You are sinning because you are apart from God. But let's fix that. Let's get that back. God's made provision for that, and he did it for my life, and he's done it for your life. He has made provision for the sin. That is the love of God. But if I'm going to let the world tell me how I am going to minister to you by not acknowledging that you are a sinner and you need salvation, that's one thing. You know, if I come up to you and I tell you, hey, man, uh, Jesus loves you. And, hey, you know, he's got a great life plan for you. Would you like to make him your savior? And people go, yeah, that's really good. And they may, they may not. But if I add the other side of the coin to that, that, hey, man, God loves you. However, you're a sinner right now. And in your spiritual state, in your present state, you will spend eternity apart from him in a place called hell. 
that should give a certain urgency to the people that I'm talking to. Hey, man, it's not just this this nice, happy, everything's going to be fine. Everything is not going to be fine. Unless you repent of your sin and accept Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf, you will spend eternity apart from him forever. Now, which message do you think is biblical love? Is it me just letting you stay as you are? It's okay. You're fine. We're fine. Everything's going to work out. Just trust God. Or is it me telling you, hey, man, there's a need. If Jesus came back today and you died today, you'd miss out on the, on the great life he's got for you. We've got to be biblical in our presentation of God's love. I, I pray that you understand what I'm trying to say. You need to read these scriptures again. First John 5, 3. So important. It tells you what is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Romans 5, 5. It tells you where the love of God is because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. 1 John 2, 5, this is how you grow love. Whoever keeps his word, in him truly is the love of God perfected. If you don't know the word of God, how in heaven's name are you going to keep it? You must read the word of God. You must study the word of God. You must let the word of God perfect you into the image that God wants you to be. We've got an opportunity in America today. It's such a great opportunity, but we really need to get back to reading the Bible. I pray that on a personal level, you choose after hearing this, to read the Bible and encourage others and get yourself someone that will pray with you and maybe discuss the Bible with you. I'm Ron Geyer. We'll see you next week. God bless you. These are End Time Insights. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.